before the body survived the heat this week. See, you did, don't you wouldn't be here, right? I almost did, my air conditioner went out Wednesday night and didn't get fixed till yesterday morning. It was a little warm in my house. But that's okay. I made it through. We've been covering the topic of becoming like Jesus. And everybody that's the most noble thing we can do and this week the topic I'm covering is being a servant and I feel like I'm preaching to the saints you know because this church and, and, and you people are such servants as I look out right now I just see so many people that do so much stuff. Um, and in a small church, that happens most of the time. I mean, I see people that, whether it's a church breakfast or a lunch or a picnic, and make, make food every time and, and bring good stuff for us to eat. Um, people show up every time we have a church work day and, and help clean up and fix up paint and, and do all kinds of things. Um, our praise and worship team comes every week and practices and gets here early on Sunday and, and gets ready to lead us in singing and, and they just do such a good job and it's all voluntary. People work behind the scenes and get stuff done that we don't even see. People come do yard work. People trim the hedges. People water the flowers, people plant flowers. I mean, our church, we do stuff with the school down here and people sign up and show up. And it's such a servant church, I certainly believe. But since we're trying to be like Jesus, and since I was asked to speak on being a servant today, I figured I had to have something to take. So, I, I researched a little bit and I found some scriptures that I would that I'd like to share with you. In in John 12:26, it says, "If anyone serves me, and this is Jesus speaking, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servants be also. If anyone serves me, the Father." will honor him. That's a promise that if we serve God, we will receive honor from God. In Galatians 5.13, it says, You were called to freedom, brothers, but only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. We talked about love earlier. As, a, as one of the things that we need to do to be more like Jesus. And here he says, if we love, we will serve one another. In Mark 10, 42 through 45, it says, And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. 
But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. John 13, 16. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Colossians 3.12 Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. And, and that's a definition of what a servant does. They, they're kind. They're, they have humility. They have meekness. They have patience. And if they didn't have a compassionate heart, then there's no way they could be a servant. In 1 Corinthians, it says, This is how one should regard us, as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. Matthew 25, 21. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little, I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. If we have Christ as our master, if we're a servant to him, we'll automatically have joy. We're guaranteed it through the scriptures. It's a promise of God. Mark 9.35 says, And he sat down and called the twelve, and he said to them, If anyone did be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. We're, we're, we're called to be servants. If we believe in Jesus Christ, if we believe in his servanthood to us as being our perpetuation for our sin and dying for us, then we're called to emulate him and to be a servant to others. Second Timothy 2.15 do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. There, a worker is a servant. A worker is someone who helps others and does the work. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works with God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There again, doing the work for God, being a servant. And we were, God prepared the works he wants us to do before we even knew it. Matthew 20, 26. And it shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. Philippians 2, 5 through 7. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. 
in Matthew 23, 11. The greatest among you shall be your servant. There are a couple stories in the Bible. I don't know if I'd call them stories, but a couple passages in the Bible that, that I looked at, and they sort of gave me a lesson on how to be a servant or what it takes to be a servant or, or what it looks like to be a servant. And I'd like, I'd like to share these with you. Um, in John 13, it says, Now before the feast of Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hand and that he had come from God and was going to God, raised from supper, he laid aside his garment, took a towel, and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? And he answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know it after this. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered, If I do not wash your feet, you have no part in me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but he is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore he said, You are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, had taken his garment, and sat down again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done for you. You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also wash the feet of one another. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent. If you know these things, blessed are you that you do them. Well, what can we learn from this? Jesus was not afraid to do a dirty or what could be humiliating task. People in Jesus' day walked most of the places they went, and they wore sandals all the time and, and we all know from wearing sandals that when you walk in sandals your feet get dirty and I don't know about you but washing 12 people's feet right after supper isn't a job that I would e eagerly jump right into but Jesus did this to set an example for us as Christians no job however menial and what could be considered humiliating to others 
should bother us. Because we're doing it, or should be doing it, to glorify God and to bring other people to know God's love. If we look at every task we do and praise God for allowing us to do it, it'll give us a whole different mindset. It won't be about us. And it won't be about what we're doing, whether whatever it is, or how difficult we think it is. It'll be about what God's asked us to do and about spreading his kingdom here on earth. And that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to do as Christians. And I should be more worried about somebody's spiritual life and somebody's eternal destination than I would should be about doing something that I find maybe a little bit beneath me. Like anything should be beneath me if I'm doing it for God. The second scriptures I found that sort of gave a lesson to me is 2 Timothy in chapter 2, starting in verse 20, it says, But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, Peace with, with these who called on the Lord out of a pure heart. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snares of the devil having been captive by him to do his will. So what's the lesson about being a servant here? Well, the first lesson is you need to study the Bible. We need to know what God wants us to do. We need to pursue the good thing. We need to, through the Holy Spirit, work on purifying ourselves. We need to become gentle. If we're not, we need to stop quarreling, we need to be patient, and by doing these things, we can help others find their way to God. 
God's ready to forgive them, just like he forgave others. But they have to come to repentance. And the Bible tells us, how are they going to hear? How are they going to know if they don't hear? And how are they going to hear if somebody don't tell them? Well, who's got to tell them? We have to tell them. The people who know, the people who have been forgiven, the people who have come to repentance. That's our job. That's what being a servant of Christ is all about. Helping other people find their way to Christ, to find their way to repentance. I think if there's anything I could do in this life, my number one priority should be helping someone who doesn't know Christ come to know Christ. It starts in our homes, it starts with our families, it goes to our friends, and it goes to people that we don't even know. As, as, as we all know, trying to tell our family, friends, and children what to do, sometimes meets a pretty hard roadblock. Sometimes it's easier to talk to somebody that's not in our family. But we're called, and we're called to do things. That should, we should always be looking for an opportunity to be a servant to Jesus through helping someone else become reconciled with him no matter where we're at. Whether we let somebody in front of us in the grocery store line and they say, well, thank you, and say, well, sure, no problem. God bless you. And now for the third lesson. It comes from 2 Kings chapter 5. Now Naaman, a commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master. Because... By him, the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. And she waited on Naaman's wife. Then she said to her mistress, If only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. And Naaman went in and told his master, saying, Thus and thus says the girl who is from the land of Israel. Then the king of Syria said, Go now, I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised, when this letter comes to you, that I have sent Naaman my servant to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter, that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive, that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. So it was when Elisha, 
the man of God heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king, saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elijah's house. And Elijah sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious. He went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out and stand and call on the name of his, the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal my leprosy. Anat, Abena, and the Philar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went away in rage. And his servants came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says to you, Wash and be clean? So he went down and dipped seven times in Jordan according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. We learn from this scripture that God is no respecter of persons. Title, positions we hold, don't really matter to him. He may ask us to do things that we consider beneath us, a little menial, a little trivial. We cannot be proud or think too highly of ourselves. It took a servant to show Naaman the error of his ways. And when he followed the instructions, he was healed. If God told us to do something great, go, go, go to the cancer ward and everybody you touch will be healed. Get up and speak, and you'll have huge crowds in front of you like Billy Graham. Would we jump up and say, all right, finally something I can do. Yeehaw, let's go. Well, we go back to the scripture that says, if you're faithful in little things, he'll give you big things. Sometimes, we're just told to give a homeless person a dollar. Sometimes we might be told to just talk to somebody that we see clowning or not having a good day, no matter where we are, at, in the line at some fast food restaurant or that gas pump or whatever, and look across and see somebody, and God sort of gives you that nudge, and you think, well, they don't want to hear from me. But if God gives you that nudge, he's asking you to do something for him. You know, we should be excited. No matter what God has for us to do. Because if we're doing it for God, it's the greatest thing we can do. It's, and it's 
as, as we saw how many scriptures, and those were only a few of the ones I found on servanthood and servant. And if God talks about something a lot in the Bible, I believe he's trying to really make a point. And if he talks so much about servanthood, that's what we're supposed to be. You know, if we want to be more like Jesus, we have to be more like Jesus. So, I'd like you to remember if you three lessons that I got out of these scriptures. Number one, cleanse yourself with the washing of the Word. Embrace the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And help others find their way to God's forgiveness. Number two, Remember, no job was, was too humiliating for Jesus. He washed the apostles' feet, even Judas, who was going to betray him. So I shouldn't think any job that I could do to help the kingdom is below me. And our position, our importance in this world, and be a stumbling block. We saw it was a stumbling block to Naaman. And it can be a stumbling block to me if I think too highly of myself and don't do what God asked me to do because it's not what I want him to ask me to do. No one should think that being a servant is being a slave. A slave is forced to do something. A servant of God is asked to do something gladly. Or maybe is not even asked. All of us can remember, all of us who are old enough to can remember being asked to do things growing up, do the dishes, clean the house, make your bed, clean your room. But we can also hopefully remember that if we did it on our own, if we did it without being asked, The look on our parents' face, especially our mothers. If I clean my room without her asking, wow, it was great. You know, I was talking to some people the other day, and we were, we were talking about our mothers. Some of us whose mothers have passed away and some of us whose mothers are still here. I can tell you, I don't believe anybody is more a champion for you or loves you better than your mom.
We just don't see him. So start out, if you're young and if you're still at home, start out being a servant at home. Do stuff with, around the house without being asked. Read a lot of articles. Husbands, do stuff around the house without being asked. There's things I pick up on. The reward is great. God's rewards will outweigh anything we can get here on earth. He'll reward us here on earth. I'm not saying he does. He does. He rewards us here on earth. He rewards us in eternity. You will never. I don't believe. In my life, I have found out that I never regretted helping someone out. Whether I saw the results of it or not. And I believe it comes right back to this, where it says the very first scripture I read, I think, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. And what greater, what could be greater than receiving our honor from God? Look to that honor. Look to God to repay us, not anyone else. Because God has it all. You know, we're called to be a servant. And I don't believe that I could have anything greater said about me. And you know, he served God. A good and faithful to have Jesus say, "A good, you were a good and faithful servant." I hope as we leave here today, something I said was something you hadn't heard. Maybe it touched something that would just encourage you. To look for opportunities beyond what you already do, because like what I said, I, I believe I'm preaching to the choir. But to just look for an opportunity, look for those opportunities that God puts in front of us to be served.